accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called The Reckoning. 21st episode of the sixth season. April 29th, 1998 is when it aired. Teleplay goes to David Weddle and Bradley Thompson. Story credit goes to Harry Worksman and Gabriel Stanton, directed by Jesus Salvador Trevino. In this episode, the discovery of a 30,000-year-old Bajoran tablet buried under the holy city of Bahala announces the reckoning, the time when the future of Bajor will be decided. We're joined by Clay, the uh, Bajoran storyline's number one fan of all time. Clay, how are you? I am already done with Kira and Odo. <laughs> I am not a fan of this anymore. You, I don't like this. <laughs> I, I was actually, um, I was, I was kind of going to make the, the, the same kind of joke comment about it. It's like, all right, this has been a nice relationship, but it's obviously run its course. Uh, they, yeah, you know, it's kind of what I was talking about last time where it's like, I don't want to see what happens after they get together. Yeah. Rubbing noses because, and making uh lovey dovey eyes at each other. Yeah. That's not, that's not them. You know, I, I feel like there was, there was a way to do it that was more consistent with how those two characters are, but it's definitely not this. The thing that, um, the thing that in this modern sense you have to look at is that it probably could have been worse in this episode. They do oh, be, yeah, because of good. the way the TV was back then. Like for people who missed his way last week's episode, they had to remind them that they were now not remind them, but they had to let them know that they're a couple, but not do it in a super obnoxious way where they're just restating it very obviously. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they do that, but it's still, it's still pretty weak. Um, I don't like the lovey dovey stuff. I feel there's even more problems with it. I think as we'll get into, but um. We're going, to talk, we're going to talk about The Reckoning. Uh, let's take a break. We're going to play an audio clip. Me and Clay are going to come back and discuss The Reckoning. I can't believe that you'd be so petty as to destroy the artifact rather than turn it over to me. That's not why I did it. You expect me to believe that the prophets wanted you to destroy a priceless piece of Bajor's history. That's exactly what you have to believe. And why would they do that? I wish I had an answer for you. Well, I'm sure you'll come up with something. All right. So, this is a pretty awful episode. <laughs> I think I could just get what? that, get that you, out of the way. What are you talking about? Do you, I um, love scanners. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think of Care Bears, because the final battle yeah. is basically how <laughs> Care Bears fight each other. And um, yeah. it's really something. I... I don't know. I'm really conflicted about this. I thought this is an awful, awful, awful yeah, episode. I, I, so about three quarters of the way through, about twenty five minutes into the into the chest blast battle, uh, I looked at. I was looking it up on IMDb to see what the score of this episode was, and it's a seven point two, which is fairly low, but it's not like really low. And you know. I think the highest episodes get like eight point somethings. Maybe there's a couple nine point twos or something. But the highest that 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 I'm surprised it's that high actually. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know that plus the amount of uh, reverence I know people have, some people have for the Bajoran religion stuff. I would made me watch this thing going like, is this bad, or am I just 
biased because I don't like this stuff. Mm. And then uh, towards the end, I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure this is bad. I, uh, I it had the- about I, I say this episode had about 45 seconds of stuff that I found really interesting, but mm. even that they didn't really stick the landing on. So I don't really know what to tell you. I I think that the the I would describe it as I'm a little bit more generous. I think it's a I, I noted it at the 20 minute mark when there's 20 minutes remaining is when the episode just falls into a shit show at, at that mm. point. Before Wait, that, is that when Kira turns into Gozer from Ghostbusters? No, uh, sort of. It's slightly before that. It's when. I see the big horrible turn is there's this, I'm going to play it as the opening audio clip, actually. So you guys have mm-hmm. already heard it. It's the one where Kai Wen and Cisco are talking in his uh, ready room, his office. Mm-hmm. And their conversation pretty much sums up why I think that the Bajoran prophecy storylines don't work. And she's going, why can't I talk to the prophets? Why won't you tell me what's going on? And Cisco goes, well, they're mysterious and I don't even know myself. And he And she goes, come <laughs> on, tell me. And he's like, well... I believe we have to work with the will of the prophets. And she goes, okay, I guess I have to believe what you say. And then they just kind of walk out of the room. And it's really stupid. And it's really, it shows you how little there is going on with the Bajoran prophecy stuff. And I think that the opening 20 minutes, I would describe it as, it's a extremely boring 20 minutes that kind of holds my attention because it feels like something is going to happen from what they're talking Mm -hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And it's all very um I think the the issue I'm starting to have with the Bajoran prophecy stuff is that it's too vital to the Cisco character and the mm-hmm. overall storyline of the series to have it treated as this is our one episode a season Bajoran prophecy storyline that we do. Because I I think there's potential in this. They're they're not nailing any of the potential, but I could see why this would be an interesting storyline for Cisco. But the problem is when one out of 26 episodes is something that deals with it, it only feels like it's a kind of wallpaper veneer of a storyline over some other generic storyline that's going on. And down to the language they use, they call it the reckoning. It's like there's not more there's no more of a blase boring term to describe what's going on here. Yeah. And the other thing is that before I throw it to you We've spent six seasons, and this episode calls into question, the prophets don't explain what their point is. There's never an explanation as to why the prophets do anything that they do. It's just treated as sort of, well, they're mysterious creatures, and we're going to see what happens. And at this point, it's too frustrating. You can't just have an episode like this where they're like, well, you know, it's a battle between good and evil. You're either with us or against us, and Cisco chooses, and then that's the episode. Yeah, I knew we were in trouble. When he smashed the tablet and the ghosts came out, yeah. I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> it's really – there's some terrible scenes. Him smashing the tablet is awful. The way he throws it into the wall yeah. is terrible. He throws it like a bounce pass in basketball and it just hits the wall. It's really stupid. Yeah. And I, I his his acting at the end when Dax is trying to get them out of there. Oh, like, it's man, awful. He, awful. He's doing – he is doing everything he can to, to – like not even he believes this and he's the one who's saying it. <laughs> You That's going to be so, my second clip to end it. The, the Avery Brooks's <laughs> lines when he's looking at Jake and Kira shooting each other are horrible, 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 horrible. See, so I think the biggest thing for me is that there was actually a really interesting story that they could have told here, but they chose not to, or they maybe they're they either chose not to, or they chose to be too subtle about it. And I think 
I think it would have been a storyline that would make this ridiculous stuff fit in the world of Deep Space Nine better in a way that at least I would appreciate it. And that's what I was talking about when I said there was about 45 seconds of good stuff that they don't even stick the landing on. And that scene I'm talking about is at the end when Kira uh, confronts Kai Wynn. And so she gets up in her face and stuff, and then she says, you were just jealous that you couldn't talk to the prophets and Cisco could. And I was like, no, no. She, you, the thing is, Kai Wynn should have shut the thing down because she knows if the, this battle succeeds, her entire structure of power goes away. Right. You know, it's it's an act of self-preservation. I mean, may, and maybe that's the, maybe it was, and maybe Kira's just an idiot, and it was too subtle that they were trying to keep that under wraps, and I don't know, maybe they come back to that. But it's like, I feel like that should have been the angle from the whole thing. That at least would get me invested, because instead of, instead of Kai Wynn just sort of like, prophecy blabbing through the whole thing it it gives you a more it gives you an idea of where she's coming from and why this is a big deal and wh- and it kind of would show you that uh the prophecy stuff is is uh the accuracy of it is less important to her than than the the power structure right they you they, know they, that was oh it was so frustrating i mean because i, I was because it with the rest of the episode was so dumb <laughs> that i <laughs> At that in that moment, I was like, "Okay, at least they're going to give me something where it's like this. The rest of this kind of makes sense." It's one of those totally ep- episodes that's redeemed by the last scene, basically, yeah. where you're like, "Okay, the the justification of the character there is good enough to make the previous forty two minutes at least uh, palatable by this point." Yeah, and they totally whiff on it because if because you know she 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 chooses to maintain at least the way that I was hoping they were to go. She may, chooses to maintain the status quo, preserving her own power, and and forfeits the possibility of a hundred years of peace and the the re whatever of Bajor into the Golden Age. You yeah. know that's a that's pretty fucked up. Um, and it's uh, as far as her character goes, it's right in line with I think the way that they've been playing her for the most part. But and, and that's why it bugged me so much is because they brought her in. And she's basically just a passive observer for this whole thing. Yeah. She's just there to be like, no, the prophets, no, you have to listen to them and they have to do, you have to let them do what they want. You know, there's, she's not really presenting an argument other than just being there to, to talk about the prophet stuff. I think that, um, I have a bigger problem with Kai Wen, actually. To me, it's a it's the first uh, script in a long time I think on this show where I do not understand the resolution to what they do here. I the 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 explanation yeah. at the end of what Kaiwen does feels like it's a kind of papering over of her decision to release the chronotons or whatever that get rid of the profit and the power wraith. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why she does that at all. Like I it's yeah. also done like either way she does it. It's done in a way that if any, it seems to me if anyone knew that she had done that, it seems like they would lose faith in her because right. she's not allowing this prophecy to come true. But everyone knows that she did it. They're not keeping it secret. Right. She's, she just right. walks in ops and turns the thing on and is like, there we go. I saved the day. And her, her justification that she did it because she's jealous of Cisco. I don't under I, I feel like the characterization here is all backwards. And the writers claim right. that they got it right because originally the thing was that Kai Wynn was going to be the one who wants the prophecy to happen, which makes sense to me. Cisco right. is going to be the one who is like, 
you know what? This is crazy. Like my Starfleet mind is going to actually try to stop this, and he's the one that yeah. that cuts it off. That makes more sense to me. And you can build off of those two things. If the if the reckoning is supposed to be this destructive thing, of course Kai Wen would want it to happen because I only find Kai Wen interesting if she's a true believer. If she's not a true believer, she is doing the thing that everyone's starting to criticize Ducat about, which is she's just becoming a mustache twirling villain who's kind of like sneering her way through scenes. And that's not interesting to me. I feel her characterization is a regression here from the thing that made her interesting a couple episodes ago where she had the, um, that line to Kira about like, don't judge me while the, while the Bajoran occupation was going on. I was one of the few that was keeping the faith and the Cardassians would try to beat the faith out of us, but we held on to it. Yeah. That's the only thing that's interesting. This is not interesting. Her jealousy of Cisco. No, the jealousy of Cisco hundred percent is not. I, I think there's room for her to be, both a true believer, but also uh, not want to sacrifice her power structure. I think th- I think those two things can coexist because they're not mutually exclusive. Because if if nothing changes, then she she can still be a believer in the in the in the uh, in in the, the the cause or the the idea of the prophets. Um, but it also preserves her own standing, um, which I think which I think. That, which is more interesting to me because it, it's, it becomes a blending of uh, this blind faith and this in, immense power in a way that's, that's uh, you know, corrupting, which I find interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cisco, like, that was the other thing. I, uh, when, when Cisco starts saying, like, oh, we have to evacuate and everything, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he buys into Cisco, the profits very quickly yeah, in this, yeah. Cisco's not going not gonna to he shouldn't be doing that. I mean, I, I guess I understand it, but like they, if, if they were going for this, this idea of, I mean, he says it in dialogue where he's like, well, they hold, they helped me out and they didn't say exactly what the price was going to be. And I guess this is it. It's like, okay, but maybe have a little bit of internal conflict about it and yeah. not just schlep everybody off the station. Like that's a, you know, that's, that's a, the- that's a pretty drastic move. I think that that's an out, out uh, that's a like sort of side effect of my one episode a season that you focus on this because they're they're clearly through this arc they're trying to turn Cisco to be more sympathetic to the Bajorans and the Prophets than Starfleet mm-hmm. right like that seems the way to go. However, when you when you have an episode like this, if this is supposed to be a turn for him, it feels completely out of character. Because he's right. not this character for the other 25 episodes in a season. So when right. it pops up, you're like, well, why is he doing this? Like, what, the, the arc itself makes sense. And I do feel that there has to be a point where Cisco makes a decision like this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel right in this episode. He feels like he way too quickly moves into the prophecy uh, angle against Kai Wynn, who I feel should be the other way. And to bounce it back to you, the other thing that I, I sort of realized about the prophets and the, the power wraiths here is that... I do not know why the prophets are considered good gods. They yeah. they seem to be real dicks about everything. And there's no As most gods are. Yeah, well there's no they A they explain nothing. They always threaten you with stuff. They will not mm-hmm. save you unless you have a penance later on. So they're going to punish you later on for what you ask them to do. Mm-hmm. And the power wraiths I only know is evil because they give you red contact lenses when you're possessed by them. There's no other way to distinguish them. I thought when Kira was possessed at first that that was a power wraith because of the way she's talking. She's talking like Mm. an evil person. And the 
what, what's what's bad about this storyline, I think, is that for all the good that DS9 did with the sort of nuance of the arguments and the stories that they were doing, this is a complete reversal of that, where it's just asking you, you have to just buy in that there are good gods and bad gods and just accept the fact that these are the good guys for no reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's dumb. They shoot blue light. <laughs> the other guys shoot fire. Yes, exactly. Therefore, you know that yeah, they're it's, bad. It's G.I. G. I. Joe, G.I. Joe level uh, levels of uh, good guys versus bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and it's it's tough to really care about something like this when you've got no idea why it's happening. Uh, no idea what is happening. And at the end, <laughs> when they pull the when uh, Kai Win pulls the plug on it, it's just over. So are they, is it just done now? I guess the prophecy can't happen. Yeah. Or is it just delayed? It's, it's not clear what she so, did. So, like, does, does the Pa-Wraith just why, – why are they fighting? And what happens if the fight's over? Do they just both go back to their cars and drive home angry? Why is the fight so fucking stupid? Why do they <laughs> – why do these spiritual <laughs> beings inhabit people and stand 20 feet across from each other and shoot each other with beams? And, and that's, yeah. the, that's the fight that determines the fate of the universe apparently. Yeah. You know what would have been more interesting is if, uh, if, the, if the, the, the price that Cisco had to pay was that uh, the uh, – uh, Pa Wraith got locked inside of Jake. Yeah, it's a, it's an Abraham sacrifice of the son story. Yeah. Is what they're trying yeah. to go for. It doesn't it it doesn't come across for a lot of reasons. Mostly because it feels like it picked Jake out of the blue when he shows up. It's just like oh, it's it's very much like a wrestling. It's like my God, he's got Jake or something like that. There's no yeah, yeah. Jake I, isn't. I assumed it was going to be Odo just oh, because you? of the way they were leaning into the Kira <laughs> and Odo. Thing. Yeah, that but would I make mean, sense too, right? As far as Cisco goes, he wouldn't give a shit about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, like I was thinking, you know, uh, I, I think I've brought this up before. There's, uh, in Angel, the Buffy spinoff, like towards the end of the show, end of the series, they killed off this one character and then they brought her back as a, like her body was inhabited by this demon. So it was the same person, but it was a different character, that kind of thing, which, uh, from what I understand, I think we're coming up to on something like that in Deep Space Nine, but I haven't really read that far ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been more interesting if they had done that with Jake, where it was like at the end of the battle, it turns out that the Pirate got locked inside of Jake, <laughs> and so it's like, sorry, dude, yeah, you got this is the deal now. So now you've got a different character for Jake that you have a different uh um relationship with with Cisco, and you've got uh uh a real consequence for for Cisco's actions and for for siding with the the prophets in a way that will most likely swing him back the other way on the profits. Right. So I think it would be, you know, it would be an interesting thing to do instead of just, you know, pissing at each other for 45 minutes. Yeah. 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 I, um, I'd agree. And I, I think that the, I, it's one of those scripts that like, I, I understand that the, the concept is kind of there for, or for do it earlier. Sorry. I was it, just like, or, have them inhabit have them inhabit the bodies earlier so you get a little time with them or something. I don't know. Right. Like it's just yeah, just showing up with red contact lenses and and you know shooting lightning out of your fingers isn't exactly uh I mean it I guess it worked in the in Return of the Jedi, but I don't know <laughs> if it really works here. <laughs> it's a different universe, a whole different thing. Yeah, I um I don't know. I mean I, I think that the 
Also, the amount of visions that Cisco has, are we sure he doesn't just have like a brain tumor? Yeah, he's, they're, they're starting. I, I continue to like the prophet visions. I like the way that they speak. I just wish that they said something to him. Yeah. And yeah. He, he even complains. Like the reason he freaks out and destroys the, the stone thing is because he's like, why the fuck don't you tell me anything? Like, tell me what to do. What do you want? What do you expect? And then he just smashes it. But it's just too. It's just too silly at this point, and it's it, it veers into this kind of magical aspect that there's no Star Trekky explanation of what's going on besides the chronotons or whatever can kill these things and get rid of them, and that's a strange break for Cisco, yeah. I guess. Like you could kind of follow that story and say maybe he's expe- uh, accepting the spirituality and whatnot, but it, it's a strange turn for all the other characters who uh, have to kind of follow along. There's no They've given up on the arguing as to the science of this against the Bajoran faith, uh, which they used to do in previous episodes. And this mm-hmm. is just well, the emotional da- aspect. I, yeah, I, I appreciated Dax in this episode quite a bit because she was basically I – feel, I feel like she was the, the one writer in the room who was like, guys, this is stupid. Yeah. Because yeah. every time that, that Cisco talked to her, she was like, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe, but also possibly not. Maybe real life things are going to happen and it's not just, uh, you know – space gods fighting each other mm-hmm. like I, I i appreciated they've they've continued to use dax as a more effective uh uh counterpoint to cisco uh like they do in the pale moonlight i i i, I like her in that capacity quite a bit um i feel like i feel like that's kind of where they wanted to go with her initially but they just never really took for some reason yeah but now, she's the consigliere role basically where yeah. she's pushing back on his ideas to challenge him yeah. a little bit I don't know if now it's just if they're more comfortable with it or she's better at it or what, but it's it's uh, the the last few times they've done it, I thought it's it's worked really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, he especially if you're going to move him into this kind of new for a Star Trek captain perspective on the universe, mm-hmm. she's she's useful to have as the old Starfleet perspective that can yeah uh, push back on him and things like that. He he doesn't it doesn't really ever amount to anything because it's not really about that it's just this honestly i feel like the episode was just designed as the guys were like let's have aliens throw fire at each other in, the, mm. in this episode and they go that the would be kids great. are all watching dragon ball z right the kids kids love that stuff and so let's let's do a little bit of that and everything else that comes off of it feels just not not particularly true that it would happen and it's it's disappointing and i, I think that Kai Wynn is the biggest sufferer of that. Like people are complaining about Dukat, right? At this point, a lot of reviews yeah. are actually sort of saying that the uh, some people don't even like Waltz, which I find sort of strange. But the they would say that the uh, wrongs darkened than death or night is the turn of Dukat into from a nuanced character into just a bad guy. And I kind of disagree with that. that. I, I feel yeah. Dukat is better shaped and in a better arc to become that kind of a villain, where Kai Wynn has never felt like she's been fleshed out enough to me have a sense of what makes sense for her to go. And at yeah. this point, it feels like this is the much less interesting choice for this character to turn than Ducat was. Ducat makes sense. It's simp- simplifying Ducat makes more sense than simplifying Win, in my opinion. Yeah, a hundred percent. I, you know, it's uh, uh, you brought it. You brought up how it 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 felt like the the stakes were very uh, wrestling esque. Um, there's a, a, a huge criticism of the way that they handle or traditionally handled, uh, uh, women's r- storylines, wrestling storylines in the WWE anyway, 
where it seems like the only story they know how to tell is uh, one woman is jealous of the other woman mm-hmm. uh, for various reasons. And it always comes across in a promo where someone's like, you know, at the end of the day, what it is is you're just jealous. And that's like the whole catalyst because, you know, all the writers, 99% of the writers are men and don't understand anything about how women act in real life. Yep. Um, and that's kind of how this felt where it was like, when it came down to her being jealous, I was like, jealous. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, like maybe sort of, but I mean, if she was, if she's supposed to be as all in on this as she is, she shouldn't care who the emissary is. And and if, and if she does care, all right, that's kind of interesting, I guess, but it's not just jealousy. She's not just sad because she didn't get chosen for the right. dance for you she, know? she wasn't chosen to become the like they've they've never i'd be okay with the jealousy thing if the kai if they had positioned the series as the kai was supposed to be the emissary or something they, yeah they've never yeah. done that the emissary has always been seen as the separate role from that it's kind of like mm. it i just don't think it makes a lot of sense it, it would be like a true believer christian being jealous of jesus christ like i'm sure sh- yeah, i'm sure many a lot of them are actually well do you, do you think like <laughs> I think jealousy would be the wrong. I wouldn't describe it as. I would have a hard time seeing a true believer as jealous of that role. I think. Yeah, I I know what you mean. I think. I mean, I'm sure there are offshoots, and I'm sure some leaders of some sects see themselves as Jesus Christ. Yes, but I, I, I I never got the sense that Kai Win was that way. I, I like your idea of it being more that she's after the political power of it. But at that point, if you wanted to do that. I don't know. Like, is is what she does good enough for that? If so, these things are fighting, and she comes in and she turns on the power. I I, I really have a hard time believing that she would stop this prophecy from happening, even if she is yeah. after the political structure. I I don't know. That feels too much of like that's the end result that the Bajorans would want to happen. Yeah, I mean, you could also go that she wasn't confident that the prophets would win. Yeah. You know, I don't Did know. Did they imply that in the fight? No, the, the, I think the prophet is always is beating the power wraith, I think, if I'm yeah, remembering it, properly. It doesn't ever really look like it's in doubt because uh, Kira's got like the Stranger Things blood coming out of her nose. Yeah. But, uh, but Jake is like exploding <laughs> like the guy in Scanners. So, um, yeah, it's just jealousy. It's it's such a it's just so lazy. It's it's lazy motivation. It's lazy writing. Unless you really lean into it, and here they didn't. They just use it as a throwaway excuse. You know, mm. it's it. There's nothing interesting about it, and it's very it undercuts anything they've done with her character. And it's just uh, uh, I you know when I saw I saw that there was like five different writers on this, and I thought, wow, okay. This is either going to be like a really important episode or a complete clusterfuck, and I think uh, I think we're leaning towards the latter. Unfortunately, yeah, I think it's the. Um, How what, do you have this many writers who work on the show that just like a think they nailed it? <laughs> well, two of them and B, are um, don't understand the characters at all. This the story the story that Weddle and uh, the other guy Weddle and Thompson who wrote it came up with was apparently similar enough to a pitch they had heard that they had to pay the writers of the pitch. Oh. So the story credit is just the uh giving credit to this original pitch person. Gotcha. Um w- was the original pitch by like a 10-year-old cuz it feels like that. <laughs> and it is teddy bear. I, I And then I, Kira, and then Kira shoots lasers. <laughs> it's like when Cartman's playing with dolls in South Park or something just like yeah. bang, 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 bang. 
Yeah, I um I had something I wanted to say off of that. I I think that it's just Oh, it's um the episode actually reminded me of Discovery in a lot of ways. It felt okay. like it was just a it felt very similar to my criticism of Discovery, which is that characters are doing things just to kind of move into the next section and you don't really understand why it's happening. However, if the pace is fast enough, all you can say is, wow, I can't believe this is happening. Wow, I can't believe this is happening. Holy shit, fireballs. And it, when it's slowed down to a DS9 storytelling pace, it just comes across as completely absurd that this is yeah. the thing that they ended up doing. They're also they're also starting to hand wave Starfleet in a way that I find concerning. Mm. Uh, between this and in the pale moonlight, both of, both of these scenes or both of these uh, instances where Cisco has to sell Starfleet on something pretty drastic. They just have him going, well, I managed to convince them that it was necessary. Yeah. Moving on. Yep. You know, and because Worf is like the only person in the whole episode who's like, yeah, hi, hold on. Uh, you know, this place is kind of important to defending the quadrant. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we should just leave all of a sudden. Yeah. You know? Um, or I mean, they could have done that too. They could have they could have had a Dominion threat pressing down on it. So then, like, you know, the the uh, pulling the plug on the on the on the prophecy was necessary because the place was going to get attacked or something. I don't know. I I have a problem with um. I have a problem with the station's involvement anyway. I, I guess it's kind of difficult to argue against like religious prophecy, and it's like, why does it have to happen this way? But why does it have to be on the station? Besides the fact that your characters yeah. of the show live on the station, wouldn't Bajor make more sense that this happens on? Like, there's yeah. a they, they even they they mentioned that there are earthquakes and volcanoes and smog or something going on in Bajor because of all this stuff. So why don't they have this battle on the planet where its destruction kind of feels like it means a little bit more than the, just the station being destroyed? It it, well, it feels like too small of a location a button to turn it off. Right? Yeah, you can't chroniton blast them or things like that. But that's the <laughs> the the prophecy is too weirdly specifically insignificant to me yeah. for it to happen this way. They call it the gateway to the uh, the celestial temple or something, but it, it just feels unnecessary. Like the prophets are waiting for the station to be built. They need the space station to be there. It's, it's strange. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, uh, I feel, <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to take too much pleasure out of, out of this making me feel vindicated about this whole storyline being kind of dumb. Hmm. But uh, uh, because I, you know, I think it has its moments, but this this episode did not do much to uh, convince me that the prophecy and, and, and the prophet stuff is not kind of stupid. Is, is so, worthwhile. I, I, yeah. I guess let's just wrap up with a slight discussion of that as we touch base mm -hmm. uh, before this ends. I'm I believe that if you were to redo DS9 in this day and age, I think you could do this storyline excellently. And I think it I think could so. yeah. I think it could really amount to something. What it feels like to me is that they started off with this as an idea, like this would be the sort of pilot idea that uh, moves things along. They spent about four seasons not sure what this meant for anything. Of, mm -hmm. Like they weren't sure what the end, end goal was or like where they wanted to go with it or how it should impact any of the characters. They hit a sweet spot in like the fifth and the fourth and fifth seasons where they they had that episode Rapture, which I thought is probably the best one of all of these. It's the uh uh, geez, I can't remember. It's the one the mention of the locusts from the Dominion coming through, and Cisco sort of stops mm -hmm. the uh, the the alliance between the Dominion and Bajor. That was probably right. the pinnacle of it. 
And now they're just kind of floundering into the space of, well, we've built up this epic god fight storyline. I guess we have to finish it in a DS9 budget. <laughs> and Boy. you you just end up I feel it's a I feel I'll say it again. The most upsetting thing to me is that it's a betrayal of what made the series actually interesting, which is its nuance in the examination of what used to be just Star Trek ideals. And mm. to have a good guy versus a bad guy shooting each other with fireballs is just, there's no way that the characters on this show can save that idea. They're not equipped to handle this kind of a storyline. So it falls flat. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's very, it, uh... This is the kind of story I would have done like halfway through season one where we're like, this is not working. We need to get this over with fast. Right, kill these, use the chronotons and actually kill these things so we never have yeah, to deal with them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it does. The whole thing, I mean, it, it is, the whole profit thing is ingrained enough in the Bajoran culture that it makes sense that they keep it around. But yeah, they never really do much with it and it feels like one of those things that they just keep kicking down the road. Like it feels like an idea that the, that you come up with, <clears throat> excuse me, that you come up with when you, when you do your pilot and it's like, you're, you're planting seeds of the stuff that you're going to, to, to deal with throughout the series. And then it's just one of those things that keeps getting pushed to the side. And then you're kind of like, well, we don't actually know where this is going and we don't really have a, it seemed like a good idea to put it in there, but we we actually don't have as many ideas for it as we thought. I feel this is the ultimate kick the can down the road episode. I feel that oh, yeah. the solution yeah. itself is just like, they're like, all right, uh, you guys fuck off. And well, we'll deal with that in the future when it pops up again. That'll be a hell of an yeah. episode. Yeah. It, it yeah. really feels like the, for what this is a battle, apparently for the fate of the universe, it does not feel that way by the end of it. It feels like it was a complete waste of time. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, if I know that, again, I know that they were going for consequences to Cisco's actions or whatever. You mean uh, with Jake? If, yeah, yeah. Even if it's silly that there's consequences for him asking for help, but I guess gods are gods, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, if What if they had the Pirates take over Kai Wynn? Yeah. You know? Yep. And, that, and, I, and so that... I mean, I don't know what you do with that, but it seems like something that's a little bit more interesting than than just her being jealous. I mean, it, that could be a res- the end of the jealousy thing, where it's like earlier in the episode she's clearly upset about whatever, and and she's jealous about blah 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 blah. And it's like, well, you know, monkey's paw situation here. You end up getting taken over by the demon. Yeah, and you know, does how does that deal? How do you deal with that? Right. I don't know. Yeah. This whole thing's dumb. I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's just I'll, give me your thoughts about the return of the Power Eights. This is the first time they've come back since they took over Keiko in that assignment episode a season or two ago. Um, I, I completely forget. I, I don't even remember that episode. I, I remember the names, and I, I understand that they were the bad the bad guys. So you but, you remember uh, them existing? They weren't like a new yes, creation for yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. I. They, sure. I mean, what they're are the they? Devil. They're the devil. They're just bad. Cool. Yeah. Where do they live? Where are they from? Do they live in the wormhole? <laughs> There's the um. You remember that Tom Selleck robot movie with Gene Simmons as the bad guy? Yes, I do. Uh, yes. I, I forget what that movie's called. Runaways. Runaways. There's a when uh, when we lived in Boston, uh, and me and Sean and Abe were. Uh, uh, we 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 would watch that all the time and just crack up the the opening justification is like 
Gene Simmons is this bad guy who's reprogramming these like household robots to kill people. And Tom Selleck mm-hmm. is the head of the unit that has to deal with like crazy robots in the future. And yep. so he's in his police department and there's all the activity going on. And they're like, oh my God, we have to stop Gene Simmons from doing this. And some cop off to the side goes, but why is he doing this? And Tom Selleck <laughs> just goes, he's just a bad guy. <laughs> Michael like Crichton, the- everyone. <laughs> you that's know, the entire the- thing. I, uh, I I I I love that that movie because it's it's so terrible and it's uh, uh, the thing Cordy always used to tell me about it is that it opened the same weekend as the Terminator mm. and because it was a Michael Crichton written and directed movie starring a big star well Tom Selleck a big star at the time and Gene Simmons that was what everybody put their money on as being like the big robot movie of the summer oh yeah yep um, Runaway Salvation did not end up happening. Yeah, for, fortunately for us, that was not the case. <laughs> Sir, if you haven't seen it, I suggest watching it. It's it's basically Tom Selleck fighting toasters for an hour and a half. It's yeah, pretty it's, fun. it's kind of a cool concept. Like, it, it's a cool, cheesy concept, I guess. Like, yeah, I don't know if I would ever take it seriously, but it, it's funny in how they, they go about it. Let's yeah, see- they kind of actually did something similar to it. I mean, because it's kind of an, of an idea ahead of its time a little bit. Yeah, a little in bit. That, in that he, there's... He, Gene Simmons, if I remember correctly, is, yeah, he's kind of hacking into these, it's the near future, quote unquote, and uh, he's essentially hacking into these home-based robot systems. Roombas, all the Roombas of the future. Yeah, yeah. essentially, yeah, yeah Roombas and, and all the robots from Rocky Four. Right. And uh, it, they, it's, they did an episode sort of similar to that um, in the newest season of The X-Files. And it was actually really great, and it, it's it's all it's 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 one of the the uh, the funnier episodes, and it's all based on um, Mulder and Scully go to dinner at this uh, fully automated sushi restaurant, and <laughs> and, and uh, Mulder doesn't leave a tip because it's robots, and he doesn't think you should have to tip robots. Sure, the Mister Pink argument of the X Files, exactly. And so then the entire thing comes to life, and they start. It's it's it, it basically a virus starts spreading to all of the uh, devices that they have, like the phones and the cars and anything automated, the stuff at their house, and it basically tracks them down and is going to kill them. And then uh, uh, Mulder leaves a twenty percent tip, and everybody goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, there's a if you wanted to even go serious, there's the there's the satire of like this is what happens when you become so codependent with technology in your house. Like that's oh, the yeah, obvious yeah. way that you do it as a serious story. But ne- ne- I don't think either episode nor the movie get that across. It's Let's- also, I guess, it's also, uh, it's also kind of the same concept as Maximum Overdrive, isn't it? Have you ever seen Maximum Overdrive? No, I don't think so. Oh my god, it's it's uh, again. I don't know if I would call this one ahead of its time so much, but it's a Stephen King movie. It's the only movie he directed. Uh, notoriously bad, and I believe the concept is like an asteroid crashes from Earth and for some reason turns every mechanical thing in the world into a killing machine. Mm. And so you've got this great montage of of, uh, Emilio Estevez like walking down the street – looking over at houses where like lawnmowers are eating the people who, who are using them. And like, there's a, there's a, there's a blender just like spewing blood out of it and stuff. And then they get a, uh, the, the villain of the movie is a gigantic Mack truck with the green goblins face on the front of it. Oh, it's, I uh, remember that. Yeah. I definitely remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, not a great movie or it is a great movie depending on how you look at it. So. Yeah. It's the, the reckoning of great movies, I guess. Let's uh, take a break. I'm going to play an audio clip. 
And then me and Claire come back, we'll read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about the reckoning. Benjamin, Worf is standing by an ops. He can trigger the chronoton generator at your command. You can still end this, Ben. No, I've got to play this thing out. That is your son out there. Don't you think I know that? The prophets will protect him. They're trying to kill him. No, they're trying to destroy the Parith. The prophets will not let anything happen to him. How do you know that? I know. All right, everybody. So, thank you very much for listening. If you wanted to uh, support the show, you can at patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's the best way to do so. A couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff, extra podcasts, extra Q&As, blah, blah, blah. Also, if you're a Captain Tier supporter, you get a shout-out. Special thanks go to Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Bradley Killens, Captain Cork, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Pouch, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elledge, Samuel Custer, Grim Santos, Sean Spinobi, Tark Latif, Vault 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much for supporting the show, guys. And uh, if anyone else is interested, patreon.com slash file. So let's go to our patron thoughts, Clay. Patrons leave their thoughts about upcoming episodes and we read them. Samuel S. says, The Reckoning. This episode would be so much better if I gave a damn about Bajor. Since I don't, I don't feel any weight or stakes to anything that has happened. Not to mention the stakes were so over the top that I know they weren't going to pan out. There's no way the station was going to be destroyed or Jake Sisko was going to be killed off in an episode that he's barely in. It's a two out of five. That's the other thing, too, is it's uh, they put so much weight on Jake's involvement, but he's barely in the episode. That's what I. That was my criticism of him coming out of nowhere. Yeah. If he had, he's in the opening of the episode, but it only feels like he's tagging along for no particular reason, and not that he's invested in the prophecy or anything. There's right. no the 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 stone doesn't have a line of like son of the emissary must suffer or something like that. That would be like yeah. the. Yes. I'd imagine that's how the cold open would end in a different version of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, uh, they don't do and it. they only. I mean, on top of that, the only scene that they have together is that scene where. Cisco is fine, but Jake's like, you know, I'm really tired of going down to the, to the uh, sick bay. Oh, every and, time you have a and, vision, yeah. Yeah, tell him, and Bashir telling me you've had a seizure or something or a vision. When is this going to stop? And it's like, I, well, son, never. Anyway, you know, that's <laughs> like the it. only scene. So when, when he showed up as the thing, I was like, ah, I should have seen that coming. But they, I didn't because they didn't lay the groundwork for it. Yeah. It's, they just had that one scene and then him at the beginning, and it's, you know. Another in a long line of the bad acting performances, Sirach Lofton in the opening of this, when he's bitching about having to go to Bajor, is awful. Awful acting. Um, he just wanted to go to Tashi Station and pick up some power converters. He just wanted to go down there. It's, it's really, really, it's the, the worst case version of uh, the child actor on this show. He's not really a child at this point, but like the young character who acts that way. Well, uh, Chad Wiley says, The Reckoning, I grew up reading fantasy novels and I love a good wizard battle. This isn't a good one, but I was super hyped for it back when it aired and I still have a soft spot for it. Would it have been better if if the uh, the two people that got chosen for, for the to be the uh, vessels for the Pa Wraith and the Prophets were just like two random people? We can, con- like we can continue like, it off of his way. We just have random people filling every yeah, single role. Like, is, that, is that Chris? <laughs> <laughs> what's and and chris and morn yeah chris make morn a super powerful pirate and see if anybody cares then <laughs> morn would actually work for me i think i'd enjoy it seeing the that mask and that face just kind of shooting red contact lens fire into things <laughs> Dwayne hackett says another one of my all-time favorite episodes a truly biblical representation of how deep cisco's faith in the prophets has become willing to risk his most precious item in his life his son to their cause in contrast kai win already a villain in the mortal realm 
shows that not even her gods can stand in her way of her, the way of her ambition, and she still has the nerve to wonder why they not talk, do not talk to her. Not much more to say about this episode, save for two pieces of criticism. Why would no one ensure the safety of the most powerful spiritual leader of faith in a crisis? I'm pretty sure that even the bodyguards of the Pope of the Dalai Lama would die before leaving their sides in a crisis. Had she had a contingent of security, she would have never been able to release the chroniton radiation onto the station. That, and why doesn't the station have a secure system for access? Even Windows asks for a password prior to use. We should blame Dax for not putting on the lock screen, I guess. A three out of five, just for those facts alone. Did did this start out with him saying this is one of his favorite episodes? It did, and then it kind of veered like this episode did into a three out of five by the end of it. <laughs> did did he give... Did he give uh... Favorite, I guess favorite is different from best. Uh, so I'll, I'll defend it. There, there's okay. you can, something can be your favorite, and you can consider it a three out of five. I was going to say that some saying this is your favorite screams to me like someone who gave a one to that episode. We both gave five oh. to uh, two episodes ago. <laughs> I don't think Dwayne was one of those, so he's uh, he's defended there. Norman Buckwald says, "If Kira was a willing vessel, does that mean that Jake was also willing? Of course, Keiko wasn't willing, but there are characters who are." Somehow, even if dropped in just this episode, there should have been a reference as to how Kai Wen would know how to operate Cardassian Federation hybrid controls. I love Dex's comments <laughs> but on... But the time orb doesn't make sense. <laughs> I love Dex's comments on the quote, the urge, etc. Back to Wen. It seems as if fifth season Wen never happened, considering she's like this in the... She's like uh, what she's like in this episode, let alone the rest of the series. There needed to be some episode earlier in the season to help us see her ego was more important than anything else, even if it leads to Bajoran Armageddon. Granted, seventh season win is handled much, much better. That's um, that's my basic criticism. If if you only see win every once in a while, her characterization becomes disjointed because you yeah, you don't fair. have a solid foundation to write her future episodes about. You can just kind of wing it and go with different things, and it comes across as very inconsistent, and you're unable to define her as a character. You know. I f- I don't know if that's 100% true though cuz I feel like if if you only have a few appearances of her shouldn't you be able to distill her character down a little bit cleaner? I think you would but I think I think uh you might not remember we've always had a running criticism of Win of not being able to determine what she's actually wanting sure. out of a yeah. character. So yeah. th- I I think I I think it would actually be easier if you start off and say this is what Kai Win wants all episodes yeah. that deal with her have to reference this so that people are aware of it. Then I think it's yeah. easier to do, but I, I don't think they did that with her. Yeah, I guess I'm speaking in general, not not specifically Specific, with yeah. the way that they handle her. Yeah, because you know you'd think if you if she's only showing up every now and then, you you've got a you have a clear uh, three element thing that she cares about, and then it's like, all right, well, she's put into this situation. How does her uh, wants and needs or whatever her one wants? Uh, yeah, she has yeah, this how one, does her how one want yep. contrast with whatever's happening in this episode, and then you go from there. Yeah. Nope, I'd agree. That's why it's so strange. I, I that's why I can understand Ducat being more difficult because you see him constantly. Yeah. And it's difficult to write a character like that who you see constantly who has to go through an arc over the course of seven seasons of twenty six episodes. Um so I'm a little bit more lenient with him. Matthew Ross says there is no Kira, only Zool. Dex is at best, there's a war on, it's not time for a vacation. Anyway, the schmoopiness now between Odo and Kira. Ugh. It, wouldn't, it shouldn't be such a surprise that a religion using an emissary has a relic with the word emissary on it. If it said, welcome, emissary Cisco," that would be odd. So let's get the religious... It's, I was thinking that too, actually. I was like, that's not really It's not that. too specific. Yeah. It's, you know, it's because it's like they talk about Jesus in the Bible. Right. 
Where you, you, they, that's they probably should, a bad. That's a bad analogy, but you know what I mean. It's like it's part of this. It's part of the whole system. Yeah. So it would be like um, it would be like just using the word priest or something, and then you show up and yeah. it's like I knew a priest would be here, and you go, I'm a yeah, priest. Because you would think it's like at the very least. Well, I guess they got the term emissary from somewhere related right. to this, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it would make sense that it would be on something like this. Yes. Yes. Hundred percent. So let's get the religious circle in full prophecy, which is really an alien war. Uh, full-on prophecy, which is really an alien war and very Star Trekky. The showdown between Wynn and Cisco is always fun to watch. Will Harry beat Voldemort here? Is everything going to be okay? But the surprise that Wynn can know and use a chronoton emitter, well, you learn something new every day. And then Will Yates with the final comment. I loved what this episode did for the character of Kai Wen. Her self-delusion and megalomania are truly amazing. To know that you've been ignored by your gods your whole life, in particular that very day, and still tell someone possessed by one of those gods that you can better speak for them has to be some sort of personality disorder. Also, Sisko has clearly given himself over to the prophets in his personal life, but still toes the line of being a Starfleet captain. I see the inner founder, authoritarian, and Odo come out again when talking about how God should instruct their followers. At least religious zealots can claim ignorance of God's true feelings when interpreting things, but to have a pope actively interfering with a celestial purpose in front of many witnesses begs the question, how does no one hear about this? Well, technically there weren't any witnesses because there's nobody on the sh- on the, sh- the station They anymore. said, get out of here. All of you, get out of here and chase you know, them off. I was thinking, instead of having her sneak off, <clears throat> if you really wanted to uh, get around your how-does-the-time-orb-work problems. Um, Are we talking about this episode or that episode? This episode. Okay. Uh, why she should have had Kira, not Kira, uh, Dax do it. Because, you know, they're, they're get, running to get out of there, and Dax should have been like, come on, this way. And she, Kai Wynn could have been like, no, you need to shut this down. Oh, so you, know? you would have Kai Wynn shut it down for her, and that would have, I think that fixes it. That avoids people knowing you, that yeah, Kai Wynn would want to do it. Yeah, you would have Dax shut it down for her, and you would also, it would also make, it would have her make an actual decision. Uh, you know, it, like it, 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 you get, a, you could probably get a little bit of a scene out of Dax questioning why the, the high priest of whatever would want to show, you know, it, yes. it, it makes it a little bit more interesting and steps around your, the, uh, how does she know how to operate the fake machinery problem? Yeah. And just, I, I'm indifferent to the fake machinery, but I, I think the problem more is that I, I, that justification makes more sense to me than why Dax would do it. Because Dax would have the Starfleet perspective of this is nuts. Why are these aliens going to fight and destroy the station right now? Sure. And I think that that fixes it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about The Reckoning. Play on our scale of one to five. What are you going to give this one? Uh, I want to give it a one. Uh, yeah, I think I will. I'm going to give it a one. I haven't given a one out in a long time. No, you haven't. Um, I'm going to give it a one. I think it's awful. I think I think it's unintentionally hilarious in a lot of points. Um, yeah. Really cheesy, really stupid. I think that it uh, it's coasting along for mostly a two for the first 20 minutes, and then it just like is like, nah, fuck it. We're going to just you know give up on this and have a crazy space battle at the end. And um, it's a one for me. I don't think it makes sense. I think it's just a kick-the-can nonsense fill time episode that is really just kind of floating out there, not accomplishing anything. Yeah, basically. All right. That's it. Two ones, the reckoning. Thank you very much guys for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. There's all the links down below. You can follow on uh, social media. 
You can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show. A couple of those a month. It's very helpful. You get stuff. And I think that's it. I think all this other stuff is taken care of. Oh, yeah. If you're on Reddit or something, it would be great if you mentioned the show. If someone brings up a topic like, what's a good Star Trek podcast? Much appreciated. Preferably, preferably a Star Trek related Reddit and not like a weird dead bedrooms fringe. yeah don't don't bring yeah. us up in dead bedrooms and people stop having sex and want to complain about it my husband and i haven't made love since i started listening to the penske file podcast <laughs> since watching the reckoning my husband can't get it up and i don't know what's wrong <laughs> ah dead bedrooms sorry for all of you people out there in dead bedrooms but i think that that's a goofy little subreddit anyway let's um let clay do you have anything you want to say uh when's this come out monday this comes yeah what yeah it does come out monday yes so there's about eight days left on the Kickstarter for my graphic novel, Bloody Hell. Uh, we passed 21,000 yesterday by our count, by when we're recording this. So uh, it's been going amazing still. Thank you to everybody. And uh, there, I put one more final reward up there just to see if I could get, you know, a little bit more fire going into the final week. So you can now take home a black and white mini print of Sean Murphy's uh, dust jacket cover. Mm-hmm. If that's your if that's your thing, so uh, head over to bloodyhell.com, b l o o d y h e l dot com, and check it out. We got eight days left, and then uh, I will be absconding to the Bahamas with all that money. Mm-hmm. Yep, they can't get you there. It's a safe haven for tax liability and uh, Kickstarter extortion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, guys, thank you very much for supporting. <laughs> I will Blo- have I will have just enough money to buy a car. <laughs> <laughs> and no extras so. in that car that's like a base model yeah. uh corolla too which yep. is which is mm-hmm. good yep uh let's see thank you guys very much for supporting the show thank you for supporting clay's kickstarter and we will be back in a couple days with valiant that's right valiant so a jake and nog story um we will be back with that thank you very much for listening thank you for supporting the show if you guys have any feedback you can email me contact us on social media all that stuff good to hear from you join the discord too all right we're out see ya